0: Welcome to the Morning Dove Podcast. I'm Allie Felker, and I'm so glad that you're here. In this space, we seek to normalize the grief journey and increase empathy by sharing stories of loss. If you have a story or an insight to share, email me at alllerosefelker at gmail.com. To join our grief community and engage with the podcast, add us on Instagram at Morning Dove Pod. Now, on to the episode. Hi everyone thanks for tuning in to another episode of the morning dove today i am so excited to have with me reed peterson who is the creator of an app called grief refuge where you can have daily motivations it includes a podcast and it's just a really beautifully created app that can help assist you in your grief journey reed thank you so much for joining us today
1: Ali, I'm grateful to be here. You actually have the cutest podcast, uh, grief podcast name. So I said, "Oh, I got to be on this."
0: <laughs> yeah, it was it was funny. I don't know. Um, actually, no, I do remember how I came up with the name. Um, we have a little—it's um, not a headstone, but it's like a plaque in our backyard that has my son's name and his, you know, date of birth and things on it. And one day, there were two mourning doves, um, like standing by it. And I thought, Oh, that's kind of funny. Like, you know, morning dove. And, um, and I had just thought about the name and I was like, you know what? I think that's what I'm going to name my podcast. I'm going to name it the morning dove. Cause it turns out that that's what they're not spelled morning. Like the time of day, the dove itself is called morning because of the sound that they make. So I thought that was interesting. What
1: a beautiful tribute.
0: I Thank you. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, Reed, I would love to start by just hearing your story. If you could share how you got involved in this work and then also how you got started with creating an app.
1: Okay. Yeah. Happy to share. It's complicated. So Mm -hmm. hopefully we don't take everybody's time, (laughs) but, um, usually what comes to mind when I'm asked to share my story is I think of my stepfather, Warren and Warren was a special person in my life. He entered my life when I was only three years old and uh, he raised me. He and my mom um, quickly jumped into a relationship and got married rather quickly. uh, I think within six months of them meeting each other and uh, Warren entered a household full of three children all under the age of four and he embraced us and he loved us and he cared for us. He provided for us. He and my mom were stressed a lot, and um, not too long after Warren entered our lives, he and my mom um, had more children. So they wanted more stress, I guess. <laughs> but but Warren was just a rock, and he ended up dying in 2016. He battled multiple myeloma for eight years, and when he died. I actually went into some shockwaves of grief. And the reason, I think the reason why I went into some of the shockwaves of grief was because 10 years earlier, my biological father, Butch, um, also known as Donald, he died and he died by suicide. And when he died, I just grieved and also felt a lot of relief. And so when Warren died 10 years later, I thought I would be cool. I thought, hey, I've been here, done that. But I was, as they say, dead wrong. And um, that really just put me on a, a long journey of a lot of emotional pain, a lot of loneliness, and seeking support where I lived, working with counselors, working with bereavement support groups and local hospice and feeling compassion and feeling empathy. But through my experience, I quickly learned that there's a lot of gap in the in-between. And so when I felt a calling, because I guess my heart opened to help provide support in the way that I could for grieving people, I said, hey, maybe I wanna focus on the in-between. Maybe I want to focus on what somebody can do when they're not physically with another person, whether it be a counselor, best friend, family member, and they don't want to read a book. And so that was, I guess, the idea phase of the Grief Refuge App.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah, I... So many people who were so helpful, gave me so many books. And I think that there are a lot of people who can read. Um, I just was in such a dark place. like the idea of trying to read a book was just way too difficult. It was like I could barely even, you know, get out of bed. So the idea of sitting down and focus reading on something would was just too much. So mm-hmm. I love the idea of having something that's so much more accessible in that in-between. I think that's a great idea.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of overwhelm and mm-hmm. it's overwhelm on so many different levels. And, you know, I think there's theories that say almost like literally the brain sometimes shuts down mm-hmm. and it's just like, Hey, it's all about survival now. Yeah. And it's like, if I can get out of bed, I get out of bed. If mm-hmm. I can eat something, I eat something and I live to see another day. Yeah, I think the grief can just hit that hard. And there's really not much energy or mental capacity to be able to, to read something at yeah. that time.
0: Yeah. Um, so tell us about some of the other times in life that grief has impacted you. Um, maybe the people that you've lost or even the experiences that you've gone through.
1: Yeah. Actually, the first person that comes to mind is losing my grandmother. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll be the first to admit I'm a complicated man. And I just felt like, you know, through my growing up, uh, my relationship with my mom, you know, it was kind of like this, not love, hate, that's a little extreme, but like love stress. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, so there's a lot of challenges in our dynamic. And my grandmother who lived close, I think she lived about five miles away. Um, she was very involved in our lives, and I just felt deeply cared for, um, deeply seen. She kind of saw Reed for the unique individual that Reed is and felt loved. And so when she died, um, she died of a heart attack, and she lived a solid life. I think she was 75 when she passed. I was 20, I was 20 years old at the time, and um, that was kind of like... It wasn't the first loss I experienced, but the first loss where I was like, ooh, this one's really going to hurt. And so I remember coincidentally, I was in my second year of college at that time. So I remember having a lot of independence. And as an introvert, I embraced the isolation of my grief. And at that time, usually walks in nature was really what soothed my spirit and what helped me cope um, through the pain and the sadness. I felt mostly sadness and sorrow for the loss of my grandmother. Um, I know that a lot of other emotions can come to the mix too uh, with other losses. So she stands out for first and foremost. And I, you know, as I got into this work and started studying how to be more supportive to people in grief. I was reflecting a lot of, on a lot of my life losses, and I was like, oh, grief really entered my life. <laughs> rather young. Um, the divorce, uh, my dad, my mom, I think I was two and a half when they divorced. And also my mom told me that she was uh, pregnant and had a miscarriage uh, before she had me. And I once went to a healer, and I apologize if this sounds pretty woo-woo, but I once went to a healer who said, "I some I tend to believe that somehow that the spirit of um, that miscarriage is somehow connected and attached to you." Wow. So there's kind of like some grief energy there, if you will. Yeah. I remember losing a very good friend in fifth grade, and mm-hmm. then um, one thing that stands out in relevance to our conversation. Um, Knowing that you experienced stillbirth is uh, my older sister. She had a stillbirth and lost Tayden um, sometime, I think, in two thousand seven. I remember at that time um, feeling as a as a brother, a brother who cared deeply for her well being and loved her and loved her family. I just felt completely helpless. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I was at a physical distance and. I really, uh, in a way, I kind of tried to project and embody my experience of the loss and the grief in order to feel like I could empathize if I were going to be careful and tread on my words as far as when I would talk to her. Because at that time, phone conversations were really all that we could do. Video chatting didn't really exist yet.
0: Yeah, and I think that that you know, even as someone who had experienced loss and even, even in this work, sometimes it's hard to know what to say um, because everyone's experience is so individualized. But um, that's interesting that you said that how you were trying to kind of put yourself in a position where you could have empathy for your sister and for that loss. Um, Did you have you talked to her more about that um, since kind of getting more involved in this work or how, how has that aspect been impacted?
1: I so appreciate your question because I've thought about it a lot. The short mm-hmm. answer is no,
0: mm-hmm. I haven't
1: talked to her. It's interesting. My mom, um, she's entering her elderly years and um, to embrace it, she's like getting a whole sleeve of tattoos on her right arm
0: that's awesome. <laughs> and
1: um, one of the thing, one of the tattoos she's got was almost like a, a bit of a family tree of her children and their children. Mm. And what I noticed and appreciated was that Tayden was on that tattoo. Yeah. And Tayden is the son that my sister gave Stilbert to. And I also have known that my sister, we live at a physical distance now too. Mm-hmm. And I have known that. I've heard it through the grapevine, the family grapevine, that Taden's birthday is honored. Um, mm. Certain anniversary dates are honored. I think that my sister has conversations with her other children about Taden, yeah. you know, about their brother. And as you know, um, a distant but very caring uncle and brother, I wish I were a part of these conversations. Mm. And um, I believe in myself that I could help hold space if space needed to be held, or Mm. I could be an active listener if needed to be, I could probably show up in a a loving, caring, and supportive way. But uh, for whatever reasons, it might be the physical distance. It could be some of my sister's personality traits. So she's a you know, I, I say this with love, she's a little bit protective of her personal life. Yeah. So she may not just feel, she may not feel comfortable talking about it, but thank you for that question. Yeah. It's uh, it's an important to reflect on because as I give it a voice, I often think like, well, what did I do? You know, like Mm -hmm. why, why wouldn't she trust me? I Mm -hmm. I'm a professional in this field and I just have to let that go because it really has nothing to do with me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That I think is so important. And for anyone who's listening, who is trying to learn how to support a griever, I think that aspect is just so important. And it's so hard to get to that point to realize it's not about you. Like it's no matter how the person you're trying to support reacts, I can guarantee it had nothing to do with you in that situation. you know, it's all because it is such a personal experience, you know, because um, I think sometimes it's really easy to, because we want sometimes to shut off. And you know, if somebody comes to us and wants to help and we're just not in a place where we can receive that help, you know, it's it's not about the supporter. They didn't do anything wrong necessarily. It's just, it's such a personal and such a difficult experience that sometimes, like, you have to come at it with a lot of humility, and that's not an easy position to take when you want to help someone.
1: I couldn't have said it better myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Spot yeah. on. Yeah, it's definitely difficult. So, um, thank you so much for sharing and for being open about all of these different ways that loss has impacted you and the people who have have died and how that has contributed to you putting yourself into this work, Um, was there a turning point in a moment where you kind of realized, I know you had mentioned uh, the difference between feeling the impact of your stepfather's death versus your biological father's death. Were there any other moments where you sort of had those revelations about grief or maybe changed your mind about the way you were grieving?
1: Hmm. Not specifically, none come to mind. They, you know There was a lot of complications with the death of my biological father. He was an alcoholic. Post-traumatic stress was, it highly influenced his life. Mm. And I, from my perception, I saw a life of suffering. That was my judgment that I placed upon my father. And that was, you know, with the, when I said earlier about feeling some relief, I definitely felt a lot of relief when he died because I came to the conclusion, his suffering ends. Mm. And that was, I'll admit for me, I'm not saying for anyone listening, but for me, I now feel like that was slightly selfish like Mm -hmm. I didn't want my love for him to suffer as much if that makes any sense and so even though at the time of our conversation having this recorded my my dad has been dead almost 16 years Mm -hmm. well I continue to reflect and almost like sometimes reframe and reevaluate a lot of my perceptions that I've had or a lot of the judgments that I've had. And I, you know, I've, it's interesting because I've like, I've realized I'm actually getting to know my father better, despite him not physically being here.
0: That's really interesting. And I think that um, really can resonate with people who have lost a child um, either to miscarriage or stillbirth because we never got the opportunity to get to know them on earth. I mean, really like we, we had however long we were pregnant with them. Um, but there is so much more exploration into who are you as a person and who can I imagine you to be? And how can I continue to have a relationship with you, even though you're not here physically with me on earth? So I think that will really resonate with a lot of people because, it sounds weird, (laughs) but it's very real. And, um, and I think that it's so wise of you to have realized that for you, that was selfish, because I think a lot of people who lose someone who is suffering, there is definitely a sense of relief. And um, I think sometimes that can be a selfless thing, because you see the person who's suffering. But I think it's very wise of you to have taken a step back and realize what is sort of your intention in that, and what is the spirit behind it. I guess. Um, did you wrestle with guilt in that, and um, how have you dealt with guilt in grief in general?
1: I think wrestling is an understatement. Uh, grief, <laughs> grief, or not grief, uh, guilt. I think won the battle. Uh, mm. I, I definitely, so hmm, uh, probably within six months after my dad's death, I started to feel a lot of guilt. Mm. and there was a lot of processing of it. And uh, coincidentally, my dad, he would enter in a lot of alcoholic treatment programs, and creative expression was a part of the rehabilitation. Mm. And so I had inherited a lot of his artwork. And so, part of my process would be to uh, open up the artwork and look at it and just ponder, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, and just kind of be with it. And that helped process a lot of my guilty feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a work in progress. Uh, there are moments where I'll catch myself and I'm like, oh, wait, okay, uh, this is a lot of that guilt I, I've been working through. And, you know, I might have a little bit of reframing to do in the, in the moment because I've I continue to try to redefine the relationship and, you know he was in my life for 28 years mm. and it wasn't pretty and mm. now you know I've been working on 16 years of changing the dynamic and changing the perspective and things like that I hope that at least addressed your question if, if yeah. not <laughs> please ask it again <laughs>
0: <laughs> no i think every person I've talked to, no matter what the circumstances were, um, surrounding the death of their loved one, they have felt guilt to some degree. And I think it's just safe to say that it's a part of the grieving experience. Um, and it's a journey, I think for everyone. And, um, someone once told me like forgiveness is a journey. You don't forgive just in the moment. And then it's suddenly done. You know, you really have to walk a path of forgiveness with, a per- with the person. And I think that's how it works with guilt and with forgiving ourselves. Like there's never been one day where I'm like, okay, oh, hey, I finally don't feel guilty about the death of my son. Like I'm continuously, you know, trying to forgive my body and forgiving myself and forgiving, you know, um all of the complex feelings that come with grief. So yeah, I let I I think you you talked about that and I think that um that is probably going to be a lifelong part of your relationship with your dad. Mm.
1: Yeah, thanks. It's also fun to learn from you about some of your personal mm-hmm. experience like um I hey, I'm going on record here with this recording. <laughs> I w- was so naive to not even consider forgiving your body. Mm. Uh, that's powerful to to hear that. So thank you for teaching me that, Ali. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's the only type of death that occurs inside your body. And it's it's unique in that way. Um, and yeah, so it's is a it's a whole nother level to the to the grief experience but Mm -hmm. um but yeah Yeah, there is
1: coming back to the guilt piece there is Mm -hmm. i i I think there's although guilt can be part of the grief experience there's also a lot of similarities to what you're speaking of it's like Mm -hmm. oh if grief is a journey guilt is also a journey and Mm -hmm. so if grief can soften perhaps guilt can soften too
0: if it doesn't
1: fully go away yeah you know i maybe on my deathbed saying, okay, I no longer feel guilty, but would that, but would that be the truth? <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah. I certainly hope. I mean, I can say for myself, it's, it has softened and, um, and I could, and I believe that you're right. I believe that it can soften to a place where I think it can stop. <laughs> I hope it can. Me too. Uh, we'll have to, we'll have to check in and, you know, however many years and see <laughs> see where we're at with that um so what can people find with the app like what what are some of the things that we can um look for in it what how does it serve people and who is this app for
1: okay well um uh, multiple losses a, a, a lot of a lot of help that's available to people is um, focused on the type of loss and mm. I think that's brilliant because a lot of people put a lot of trust into others who have had a similar type of loss. So you can build rapport rather quickly. And I think that's beautiful as far as bereavement and grief support. Now the app itself um, I've had users say to me, I so appreciate this because this is kind of my personal psychology of grief experience Mm. and the app itself. I intended to make it this hub this hub that somebody could use every day if they needed that much more support there's a lot of audio on the app and so the it's not a meditation but i do narrate the recordings Mm -hmm. and people tell me that i have a very soothing voice and you do have a
0: very soothing voice
1: (laughs) i appreciate that i'm not putting anybody to sleep especially if you're driving (laughs) wake up (laughs) but um But I use my voice just to help people with their nervous system, especially when anxiety is part of the grief experience, because it happens for many people. A lot of people just can't go to sleep. They battle with insomnia. And a lot of times that ties in with anxiety. And so it's a calming factor there based on the features that allows people to uh, one of the features is journaling It allows people to get thoughts outside of them thoughts and feelings and then uh, like i said stories are shared reflective uh, musings people to just learn more about managing and navigating their own grief experience there's also actually i'm gonna provide a spoiler alert. At the year anniversary of the app, we're going to launch another feature that is basically a 90-day program. And we're going to call it Guidance. And we're only going to call it Guidance because these are almost like little um, benchmarks along the way. We're Mm -hmm. not going to tell any griever what to do. We're just going to provide influence, perspective, and some guidance. So I'm really excited about that. And um, what else about the app? It's very intended with a lot of nature images um, mm-hmm. to it and a lot of nature sounds because these days, for whatever reason, it's, it is harder to get into nature. So why not bring nature to where people are? Yeah. And so I'm really proud of that aspect as somebody who values nature as a, a huge healing component in my grief journey. Uh, I, tr- I try to own all my projections and prevent my projections into what I do. But that's uh, the nature aspect. That's where I'm totally okay doing so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that a lot. And I think that is so important because yeah, the, there is a healing aspect to nature. There's something about being able to get out on a walk And even just being outside and experiencing, like feeling sunlight and breathing fresh air is just so important and such a big deal. So I love that aspect of it. I think that's really beautiful. And I love that what you said about kind of connecting with your nervous system. Um, I don't know what, I can't remember what language you used, but um, I think that can have such a big impact on someone who has trauma that's included with their grief because a lot of times this can come alongside a traumatic event and that trauma is stored in our bodies. That's what trauma is. Right. So I think that can be especially important for someone who has experienced that.
1: Very well said. Yes. I actually haven't thought about it as much as I need to. There's Mm -hmm. um, a lot of trauma uh, experienced in a lot of loss and grief and yes, uh, not fully conscious of that, but thanks for help drawing that out.
0: Yeah. But that, yeah, I think that will be incredibly helpful for a lot of people and I'm excited to look into it myself because, uh, you know, you, I feel like you can't get enough of this, right? Like there's, <laughs> you can always invest more into caring for yourself and making sure that you are a healthy person. And so doing that in grief and having another resource for grievers is wonderful. So I noticed also on the app, you are looking for partnerships. What are some of the things that um, you are looking to develop in the future?
1: Well, in addition to adding more features that really just provide as much support as possible through modern technology to grieving people, we are seeking partnerships with businesses that, In the cases of uh, funeral homes, uh, because a lot of pressure is put on a funeral director um, Mm -hmm. to uh, work with and serve family members. And a lot of family members are deep in their grief and they're, a lot of them are quite angry. And so we think that, at least right now, we're exploring the possibility of um, being. Involved in some of the funeral homes, they call them aftercare programs. Mm. And so a lot of times bereavement uh, support or grief counseling, grief support groups are part of these aftercare programs. And so I I still, I'm I'm a huge supporter of all that. I don't want it to quote unquote change. I just want grief refuge to be seen as this app or this product that could help be supplement, you know, the, the bereavement support that's being provided. So that's definitely uh, one thing that's on our agenda to accomplish is develop those partnerships. And then we also see the value of uh, life insurance companies as partners. Mm -hmm. And when a death benefit is paid out, we have this bias, of course, (laughs) that the Grief Refuge app should be provided as a gift. Um, We think that the life insurance company could uh, be a, a wonderful act of service. Um, Mm -hmm. to their customers. Um, And it may even build some loyalty uh, with, you know, next of kin family members um, continuing their policies, etc. So grief refuge is uh, just a baby right now. And we really want to grow it to uh, (laughs) a gentle giant. And so lots on our plate.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I love the idea of businesses really seeing their customers as not just A customer, but really as someone that they can serve and someone that they can have, you know, such a personal relationship with, because that's such a great way for a business to say, like, we truly value you as a person. We're not just going to give you the payout. We're not just going to, you know, give you our end of the, of the deal, but we're going to, care for your mental health in this experience as well. I think that's a beautiful idea. And I really hope that that comes to fruition and that uh, more companies realize what a benefit that would be and what a message it would send to their customers to say, we care so wholly about you as a person that we are going to gift this to you as well. I think it's a great idea.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, I think well-being is, uh, if everybody can even just, you know extend themselves an ounce more for mm-hmm. others well-being like that can a little can go a long way
0: yeah absolutely okay so i will put this in the show notes but real quick where can everybody find you um, what is the website the app name instagram all of the things
1: well it it all falls under the brand of grief refuge so griefrefuge.com and uh, for those that use facebook grief refuge as well as the app itself is called Grief Refuge. Uh, somebody, I don't know who yet, but somebody grabbed um, the, that handle for Instagram. So um, <laughs> on Instagram, we are Grief Refuge app.
0: Okay, perfect. Awesome. Okay, and then my final question for you is, what is one piece of advice that you would give someone who is in those really dark days in the depths of their grief?
1: Well... Forgive me because it's going to sound pretty cliche, but I mean this with all sincerity that I think trusting is the biggest piece to healing, and I'm putting air quotes around healing, on the grief journey, and it's literally trusting the process, um, trusting the timing of it, trusting the pain in it, trusting the isolation, trusting even what we refer to as often like darker emotions or heavier emotions, Mm -hmm. they all have a significant role into the healing process and healing journey itself. And so when, when deep in grief, just please trust the process unfolding.
0: Perfect. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think you have to walk through it because otherwise it's all going to come up eventually and trusting the process is excellent advice. Great. Reed, thank you so much for joining us today and thank you so much for just sharing all of your insights on grief um, for sharing your story and for also sharing this wonderful app with us. I'm excited to, um, very hopeful that listeners will take advantage of that and I'm excited to learn more as well.
1: You're most welcome, Ellie, and thank you for the work you're doing.
0: Thanks for joining us today. I hope our conversation brought you encouragement and strength, as well as the permission to give yourself grace. To learn more about the Morning Dove podcast and to engage with our grief community, you can join us on Instagram at Morning Dove Pod. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a beautiful day.